Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you sure about three years on that? That sounds like a Shut really up. that sounds like a really long time. Shut Don't up. Don't you think, Phil, three years? <laughs> that seems excessive. I think that's wrong. Coming in there right now. People actually think I'm making that up. It's absurd. I mean, three years, just I don't know. Big deal. Three years. No beat me up. Then. You can I'll follow Kenny on Twitter if you want to <laughs> beat me up on Twitter. Ding ding. Back for Kutrov, right circle, right corner Miller in front point. Lost it. Now Stamp goes. Score! <laughs> A lot. Centers it. Kalorn. Score. Score. Kalorn. Three two line. Yes. This guy's awesome. Slides across ice. Kuznetsov. He's checked by Sorelli. Shoots it toward the open net. He scores. He scores. The line here are going to win game four. Tony Sorelli. Empty netter. Four two lightning. Oh. This series is going to be tied up. I love so much that a professional hockey team has employed a cable access play-by-play guy and just told him, blank canvas, paint. Play the first one. Play at least one again, would you? I'm wide awake. Kudrov right circle, right corner Miller in front point, lost it. Now Stamp goes, score! A little false start there. A little false, he wasn't quite sure. (laughs) Oh, right, he got excited. A lot. Centers it! Kalorn! Score! Score! voice left for the next game is my question. I don't know. How long has that guy been doing it? Do we know? I have no idea. I can take a look at least a few years because I've seen his name plenty. Because they won the Stanley Cup about a decade ago, right? With Martin St. Louis and they had a... Yes. Yeah, the year before the lockout, right? I mean, if if that guy if if that guy was calling NHL games 10, 12 years ago and we have like Stanley Cup winning audio of him, I mean, this is... Listen, we're only about... We're a little past the halfway point of the NHL playoffs here, right? There's four rounds, and we're in the third one. Yes. And, like, what's going to happen if they win the Stanley Cup? Is he going to sacrifice himself he's gonna live jump on out the of radio? The he's going to jump oh. out of the No, he's going to jump. <laughs> They're going to win the Stanley Cup. The clock is going to Put a lapel down, microphone on him and so you can hear him screaming. Thud. <laughs> That's what he's going to do. Oh, my God. So, the, so here's my question. So the Capitals uh, go into Tampa. They win games one and two in the Eastern Conference Finals. And we talked about this actually after they lost, after the Capitals lost game three at home, about the fact that the Capitals and the Vikings, there are a select few franchises in sports which seem to be the ultimate tease because they are regularly very successful. They are not lovable, loser, you are just terrible. They are teams that consistently make the playoffs. They are teams that consistently win a playoff game or two and get you to a point where you're like, this might be for real. And so here is my question, though. And and I guess this relates directly to to Vikings fans, uh, but I'm doing this through the prism right now of where the Capitals are at after now being tied two two. They're kindred spirits. They are. Uh, at what point, if any, do you finally just say, "I'm done here"? At what point do you do you finally, if you're a Vikings or a Capitals fan, or one of these few franchises that teases you all the time, just say, "I can't do it"? And the flip side to the question for me is, why do people continue? Why do we continue to do it? You know, if you're the Cubs, if you're the Cubs, I sort of get it, right? Because for years, you just stunk. And you were like, I love to go to Wrigley, and they're lovable losers, and they were just bad. But these aren't bad franchises. These are franchises that te- that take you to the brink of it all the time, and then thud. Why do we continue to do it? So... I've thought about this a lot in my sports life, and it's a. I think it's a question that 
different types of fans are going to have different answers, right? Uh, this is where we probably should have got Chris Long on the phone to uh, to explain where he's at right now mentally after a 2-0 series lead, we'll and now okay. it's 2-2. Two, two, and, and I've thought about it in roller coaster analogy. Like I feel, I, I feel like I'm able to sort of dictate how much I invest each season in each team. Mm-hmm. There's been some years where I've been all in emotionally invested in the Twins. Other years where it's like, like this year, I definitely want them to win, but I... After their bad start, I, I'm kind of like, oh, I, I'm in wait and see mode. I sure. feel like I've trained myself as a sports fan to be able to like walk across hot coals and not get burned, right? Uh-huh. So the reason I don't love roller coasters, for instance, like actual roller coasters at Valley Fair or Six Flags, is because there's only one spot to get off the roller coaster, and it's the end of the roller coaster. You don't get to reassess halfway through, like, oh, this feels a little dangerous. I'm starting to get sick. I'd like to get off the roller coaster. You have to wait until the very end, and however you feel at the very end, whether it's, like, sick to your stomach or passed out, whatever, like, you just have to deal with your fate. In sports, you don't have to if you train yourself as a sports fan ninja. Okay. As a sports fan monk this, of sorts. So okay? explain this to me. It's a uh, you ever hear of like musicians who are able to sort of breathe while they're playing their instrument? Like they've trained themselves through breath work okay. to be able to like play their instrument and like take breaths or like hold their breath underwater for a long time. You can train yourself as a sports fan to emotionally invest as you see fit and then get off the roller coaster before the end. So if you're a Capitals fan and you subscribe to the Phil Mackey sports ninja mindset. Yeah. You can you can you can get off the roller coaster and still be fine sometime over the next five days. Wow! Emotionally, wow! You can like right now if you're a Capitals. Fan, I see what you're saying, right? but whoa. And, here, and here's the thing with the Vikings too. Like the Vikings scored that touchdown against the Eagles. Yes. All right. Yes. Let's call it the emotionally intelligent sports fan. Where you're all in when they score that touchdown. Was it Adam Thielen scored the t- whoever it was scored the touchdown? Kyle Rudolph in caught the Kyle Rudolph. touchdown pass. Yep. And at that point, you're all in invested because holy crap, they just marched down the field and the Eagles have Nick Foles as their quarterback. Mm-hmm. But if you're an emotionally intelligent sports fan ninja, you can flip that switch, baby, right before halftime and say, "Whoa, whoo!" Jumped off the roller coaster before that thing went off the. Did cliff. you do it? Absolutely. Did you get so you For were sure. you were on. Unaffected. It's also why I'll tell you what that Saints game, where they came back yeah. and they and they threw a sixty-yard touchdown was, pass. Yes, I was so at peace with the loss. It was like, yeah, you know, Drew Brees, whatever. Like, I'm fine. I'm not. This is not gonna. This is not gonna hurt when I wake up in the morning. Oh my God, Stephon Diggs is running to the end zone. So it makes that moment even better too, because like you're not expecting anything. Okay, but actually, it's probably better when you're. It might even be better in that case when you've already been tormented emotionally and then Hold you get on the a second here. Does this make sense? Yeah, it, it does. You can choose does, how and when you emotionally invest. But you invest. seem like an elite trained, like like high op stuff here. Like this oh, yeah. is this is elite stuff because to I me, should sell an online course because to me the for six, just thirty nine ninety nine you can also oh, learn how to more, emotionally more divest that. from sporting. Charge more than that. You got to go at least to fifty, if not more. Because the Saints game to me, and this this is where the the Capitals and the Vikings and this very select few group of teams have have this ability to crush you. The Saints game, the Saints game. If you are a Minnesota Viking fan, you're thinking to yourself, "We just won a game we never win. This is destiny." We talked about that. Mm-hmm. This might be this might finally be the destiny to turn this entire thing around. And you come back and you beat the Saints on a play that that should ne- never have been a touchdown, and it works. And so you're going to Philadelphia, and a guy like Pat Royce, they can't lose this game. I mean, they're so so to have the trade to have the ops training that you have is so very rare and so very special that I would think there would have to be there would have to be a large base of the fan or a large a portion of the fan base. That would just basically have to say, I can't do this. I can't continue to invest. I started my training after the 2009 NFC Championship game and said, never again will I allow myself to so feel take, this way. Take me through the but, steps. But there's, a, but there's a difference between just being emotionally unavailable to your sports team yes. and emotionally oblivious. Like, if you're a Capitals fan right now, you have to make yourself emotionally available. They might win the Stanley Cup still, even though they've lost two, two straight games in the conference finals. Mm-hmm. But you also don't want to be emotionally oblivious to where, oh my God, they've got to win these next two games or 
my life is going to be terrible on Monday, right? You got to yeah. find that sweet spot middle ground where you can kind of watch at an arm's length and invest as right. you want. Take me through the steps. Take me through the steps starting uh, with Phil Mackey at the tender age of approximately 14. So 98, because 98 was really your first probably all in. This is a phenomenal team. This is this is the team that's going to. I I'm was only 13 14, and I cried. I'm yeah. only thir- So take me through the steps of, of going from a 13 year old who watched them lose in the second half of the Falcons and cried about it to 2009 where you where you began to develop the ninja course on how to disassociate. So I was an emotionally oblivious sports fan in the dark, unable to control how much I invested all the way up until the 2009 NFC Championship game. So much so, not only did I cry after the 1998 game, there was a game, it might have been the uh, Nate Poole game in 2003, <laughs> or or sometime, you know what it was? They were 6-0, it, it was during that season. It was the 03 season. All right. And I remember waiting on hold for 45 minutes on a post-game call-in show, another station's post-game call-in show, before I worked at said station two years later. I don't think I know the story. I was so mad that they lost a game. It was like early December or something, and they were on this losing run where they started 6-0, and and they were about to blow they, the whole season. They lost to the Giants to go 6-1, and yeah. and then went downhill from but there. But it was like yeah. November or December, and I remember yeah. sitting at my dad's apartment in Brooklyn Park, and I was so mad. Like I thought Mike Tice, I can't remember what my take was, but... But I was so caught in the moment that I was like ready to fire off a rant. I waited on hold for forty five minutes, and then the show was over, so I never even got on. Oh, you oh no! So like, and, and so it kind of occurred to me a few years later, like that team had that team started hot. Uh-huh. But if you're watching as emotionally stable sports fan ninja, you would never put full stock into the two thousand three Vikings. They had dingy ownership. They had a terrible defense. They had like. Michael Bennett as their starting running back, right? Yeah, yes. And yeah. Mike Tice was fun, but like Mike Tice wasn't a, a mental surgeon as a coach, right? All yes, all correct but, assessments. But if you're if you're blind to the ways of engaging as you will as a sports fan, you wait on hold for forty five minutes to essentially bitch about a team that really had no business starting six and zero in the first place. Does that make sense? Like, so you began to train. 30, you trained yourself over a, a lengthy period of time. It's the gap between expectations and reality. And if you can honestly identify that gap, you will never be caught off guard as a sports fan. Well, there will be some occasions. Like, and the sure. Vikings are pretty good at rope-a-doping you in and then, boom, delivering the haymaker. So caution to Capitals fans. Don't block yourself emotionally. I did emotionally, not realize that you were so professionally but, trained, though. But you're able to maybe... This is very... This is very... I didn't... The breakdown here is, is, is impressive. Does it make sense? It, no, it's, it does. It's very clear in my head, but I'm not sure if I'm articulating it the right way. It makes perfect sense that that instead of, of for, for years and years, saying, woe is me, what you began to do was morph yourself into a very specifically trained Viking fan who could handle... Who, know, who knows exactly how, how much... This is sort of like giving yourself the right amount of a drug. It's like Tai without, Chi o, without ODing. It's like Tai Chi, where like you don't, you're not looking to punch people or physically harm people. You're just looking to use their momentum to kind of guide them. You know, it's a it's a I very specific charge, form of you sports fan martial arts. I think you should. I think Dave that, that Phil should teach classes and actually charge for the, this service, especially for Vikings fans. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you could certainly make a couple bucks. I still worry though what happens when you get that first real hit of success, that first Vikings trip to the Super Bowl in your lifetime, that first Wolves trip to the NBA Finals. You know, it's true. That, Twins but, go back to the World Series, anything like that. Might you fall into that old Phil Mackey stage? It's possible, but then... I'd be on hold. Or if you're a Vegas fan and they win the Stanley Cup in their first year and it's like, oh my God, it's the worst thing for the franchise. What are you going to do next? Exactly right. Too much success too soon. But you're bringing up scenarios that just aren't plausible in reality, which would be a Minnesota sports team other than the Lynx winning a championship. So... Yeah, I also don't feel like... In another lifetime, we can worry about that. I also don't feel like... Sorry, fine. Go for football, win seven games. I don't know. (laughs) I don't feel like the... the, Despite their success in 87 and 91, I don't feel like the Twins, the Wild, and the Wolves are in the same category as the Vikings. I think the Vikings are a special case here because they are the ultimate Minnesota sports tease. Uh, I I will tell you uh, that... The Timberwolves hooked me in a little bit further into the roller coaster ride than I expected this season. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Life's about learning and recalibrating. You learn from your emotional investments. You re you you redistribute 
your emotional sports portfolio mentally? I don't. <laughs> I don't know, man. It sounds good, but I don't know. The Vikings are the Vikings are a special case to me. The Vikings and Capitals are in a very very small select group that leads you down that path, and you think to yourself, "This is finally going to be." You're up two nothing, two wins in Tampa Bay. You are six wins away from a Stanley Cup, and now you're two wins away from being ousted from the series entirely. Uh, before you tell us about your favorite mortgage lending company, we have uh, Write That Down coming up at the top of the hour. It's a game show Friday. Our friend Chris Singleton will join the show. And we have some reckless Timberwolves speculation to get to when we come back. Mackie and Judd, but here's Judd. Uh, yeah, and I do, do want to talk to you about my friends at uh, at Prime Mortgage Lending and my friend Kent McCullough. And what I want to tell you is that when it comes to Prime, when it, com- it comes to Kent, this isn't about some, uh, simply selling you on something. Prime wants to earn your trust first. In fact, they would rather earn that trust than sell you a loan. That's correct? And you're saying, well, that sounds fantastic, Judd, but give me more. Tell me exactly what that means. That means while Prime would love to have you as a client, what they want to do, they want to sit down and meet with you first, explain their plan and then the decision is up to you. This is about a couple of very important things in all walks of life, and those things are teamwork and collaboration. That's what Prime is all about. It's what they believe in. It's what Kent believes in, and this is both inward at Prime and when they sit down with you. So if you're shopping for a mortgage, you can count on Prime to give you sound advice and straight answers. For instance, Prime wants to take some of the mystery out of the mortgage process for you. Did you know Prime may be able to put together a program that can pay your closing costs? That's right. Not just include them in your loan, but actually pay them for you. The website to go to uh, to get more on uh, Kent and Prime is GoPrimeWithKent.com. That's GoPrimeWithKent.com. GoPrimeWithKent, K-E-N-T.com. More Mackie and Judd after this. Mackie and Judd now continue. Just press play. On 1500 ESPN. Reckless speculation. With no regard for human life. <laughs> Man. I love reckless speculation season. It never ends. That's the best part. It went from Vikings reckless speculation. <laughs> yes. Now it's Timberwolves. It just goes from sport to sport. It just bounces around. And ESPN.com has put out this. I, I believe this is all behind a paywall. At least the meat of it is behind the insider paywall. So we're, we'll sum it up for you. If you don't have ESPN Insider or if you just like not in a reading mood today, here we are. Uh, let me see. Is it Sean Marks who uh, wrote this story? Oh, Bobby Marks. Bobby Marks is the author of this. He's a an NBA guy for ESPN.com, and and he he wrote lengthy profiles for all thirty teams in the NBA, basically outlining their off season blueprints and and what is ahead for them. And for the Wolves, the headline is Towns New Max Deal plus more off season moves for the Wolves. I'm just going to give you the framework that he outlines, and then you and I can kind of fill in the gaps with what we think. Mm-hmm. Landscape. The Timberwolves, this is where this is where they're in a tough spot because they have so much tied up into Andrew Wiggins and eventually Carl Anthony Towns, and they've got like twenty million dollars tied up right now into Jeff Teague and a bunch of money tied up into Gorgie Jang and Taj Gibson uh, Taj Gibson, Jimmy Butler. So they're way they're way over the cap. But the NBA has a soft cap. You can re-sign your own guys and go over the salary cap. And even if you're over the cap, they'll give you what's called the mid-level exception, which is $8.6 million this year. Here's the yeah, but for the Wolves. If they want to add a free agent, they only have $5.4 million of the $8.6 million mid-level exception and also the minimum exception to sign players. Uh, with the team needing to add a shooting guard, small forward, and a power forward, that's not a whole lot of money to do so. Using the full exception would create a hard cap for the club. So basically... If they're looking for wing players who can shoot threes, five and a half million dollars, and, and and they signed Jamal Crawford, I believe, with part of the mid-level exception last year for four and a half million dollars. You you can find sort of veteran type players who are looking to come over and play for a team for more than the league minimum, but they're not going to get a big long-term contract. Maybe they would take a bit of a discount, play for five and a half million, and uh, and shoot threes on a roster with Carl Anthony Towns and Jimmy Butler, but. That's the main thing, that they can't really, unless they trade, they can't really add to the roster unless they get veterans who want to sign for minimum contracts or if there's a player, late 20s, early 30s, who wouldn't get a long-term big-time contract, not a max contract, but would sign for like $5.5 million. Okay. Um, Carl Anthony Towns, up for a max extension. According to this, he can negotiate up to 30% of the salary cap on his next. Now the NBA has little provisions like if you are defensive player of the year or all defensive or offensive team whatever you get 
you get like percentage point increases on what percentage of the cap you can you can earn. And then Bielitsa, that's an interesting one because I would love to bring Bielitsa back just to gun threes. I would empower him and say, dude, your your job is to take five or six three pointers every night. I don't care if you're out there for ten minutes or thirty yeah. minutes. Your job is to launch threes and stand out there and just be an assassin. Well, uh, he's up for a qualifying offer, which is like a handful of million dollars. I want to say like five million dollars or something, mm-hmm. or restricted and or restricted free agency. So it, it it and he's thirty years old. So I don't know if you're going to want to go long term extension with a guy like him. I don't know how many teams would, but there's sure. others. I bet you there's a lot of teams that look at him and say. Man, they're not using him in the way that we would use him. Can you imagine him on like the Rockets or the Jazz yeah, just bombing threes? Effective, yes, exactly. And then I'll throw this out there and then we can dive in. All right. This is from ESPN.com. Entering the last year of his contract, Jimmy Butler is eligible for a four-year, $109 million extension. The extension is $80 million less than what Butler could sign with the Wolves on a max contract as a free agent next summer. And $30 million less than if he signed with a team with cap space. Even with his right knee injury this season, expect Butler to play out the final year of his contract. That makes sense. Sure. For for all parties. So his, con- so his contract, uh, for the time being, won't be an issue. Yeah. Cats will be definitely. So, And I'll throw this out there, too. Because I was looking around, and my goal before the show was, I'm going to come up with a list of like five or ten wing-type players that can gun threes and might sign for the mid-level exception. Well... What'd you find? It's a short list. <laughs> you didn't find ten, did you? And I, and I, admittedly, like, I don't know enough about what teams are willing to pay. Like in my head, when I saw the mid-level exception, the full mid-level exception, eight and a half million dollars, which the Wolves can't spend, I thought a guy like Will Barton, who's one of the best bench scorers in the league from Denver, who guns three, shoots like thirty-seven percent from downtown. Um, he's sixteen points a game in thirty-plus minutes, but someone's going to give him more than that. So he like so guys like that would be great off the bench, but he's going to get more money somewhere else. We're kind of in the Nick Young territory of bench players here, where you're going to have to f- you're going to find a guy who's like 32. Oh, Nick, Nick Young fun. is actually a perfect example. Nick yeah. Young defense optional, yep. but he's a guy that you would play for 15 minutes a night, and he would gun like six three pointers at a 40 percent clip, and he would drive Tom Thibodeau absolutely and tips crazy. Tips will constantly scream yes. the entire time. Nick. Yeah. He helps solve okay. one of your biggest problems, which is three pointers. But yes. he also like, but to go isn't back, the perfect to go fit. back to to what you said before, though. Belly does too, and they just don't use it. Yeah, it's, so that's the issue. So the the issue becomes if you're a veteran player, I think the upside to potentially playing here is is cats here, potentially Butler if you like him personally. Yeah. Uh, the downside is to look at Jamal Crawford's case, and the downside is to look at Tibbs, and the downside is to say, okay, but if I go there. Are they going to bring me there to come off the bench and hit threes, or am I going to do that for about two games and then they're going to start screaming at me? Yeah, and I don't know. Like Nick Young scares me. He's he's just a, so. How many guys did you Nick Young in a perfect system? Find? Well, here's a couple more. So this is uh, I'm on hoopshype.com and they've got and they've got wing rankings. And I'm just going to give you a couple names. This is the bin that if they're lucky, if they're lucky, these are the type of players that they could look at. Um, so Trevor Ariza. Made about he made the mid level exception last year, which is about seven million dollars or the equivalent. He's going to be thirty three years old. Uh, he's been with Houston the last four years. If Houston wants him back, there's no reason why he would ever leave. Of course, no reason. But let's say Houston made a play for LeBron James or something, or like they whatever they made a play for a third superstar. It's possible that a Trevor Ariza would be a casualty in that situation, and they'd just have to say goodbye to him. Mm-hmm. Would a guy like Trevor Ariza, who play, he's a wing player, um, he can shoot threes. He's oh, I take him in a second if can I can sign. Play him. some defense. He's, yeah, no, I like him a lot. He's played on good teams in the past. I mean, you remember those Lakers teams when he was really young, and the and the Lakers were Kobe and Pau Gasol. So he's been around the block. He's been in the league since he was 19 years old, and he's in the range of salary where no one's going to pay him 15 million dollars. He made seven with the Rockets last year. Uh, is five and a half enough to get his attention? I don't know, but that's that's kind of the bin that Pro- you're working in here. Probably not, but if if he was inclined to to uh, switch teams and come here, I'd take him in a second. Five and a half to me is probably not enough, but he would be the type of guy who I because I think Tibbs would tolerate him completely. And like Nick Young, Nick Young would be a disaster. It would be actually it would, would, be, just it would stop, be fun to watch though. It would be until Tibbs <laughs> stopped playing him entirely. 
Um, Doogie knows more about the cap than I do and talks to people who know more about the, uh, about the cap. And he he's listening right now. He texted in that there are ways to use the full mid-level exception. So um, he would operate as if they will use the full mid-level exception. So obviously, if you can spend eight and a half instead of five and a half, that opens up the door. I don't know if it opens up the door for a Will Barton. But if you could add a guy like that who's just a sniper shooter off the bench who's going to come in and... I mean, the idea of Jamal Crawford was good and that you needed scoring punch off the bench and you needed more confidence off the bench and just kind of a ringleader. But now you've got to go forward from that. You need something that can keep up with the best teams in the Western Conference when Towns and Butler are off the floor. And and whether that's systematic and just adding three-pointers or better defense, um, they've they've got to explore those things. Mm -hmm. So. And you also, we'll but you also need when when it comes to three point shots, you also need a coach that is willing to expand his own thought process. There, I think he is. Like, because if I don't he think is, he's oblivious. If he is, here is my other question: when when it comes to uh, to veteran players potentially joining the, this team on deals that are lucrative but not fantastic, how many of these guys are going to call Crawford? Because Crawford to me seems like a player friendly, good guy. I bet he's got a ton of friends, and I wonder what he's going to say about his year here. And I understand that as a player, he was not a perfect fit. But, you know, he came out about halfway through the year and talked about that he didn't play as much at that point as, as he expected to. I don't think the takeaway that we see from his experience was all that great. So I would be curious that when when this potential yeah. list of guys calls him and says, Jamal, tell me about Tibbs and that team. If he's going to be completely candid, which I would guess he would be, I bet he would say eh, it wasn't all I thought it was going to be. I think you're right. I don't know if, obviously, if money is in play and winning is in play, it's possible that, like Jamal Crawford did it, that you would just suck it up for a couple of years because you have a chance to make a bunch of money and, and win, depending on how much money you're looking to make. The worst thing that could happen right now, as much as I love Jamal Crawford as a person and as much fun as he is to watch as a player, the worst thing would be for him to go back on because he doesn't have to make that decision on his player option until sometime oh, and, like uh, toward the end of June or whatever. And to come back here? Um, like, he's got time still. He could. It, it's possible that he could do some digging behind the scenes or something in his agent and find that, yeah, you know what, the market for you right now is more like a million or two million. I still think he'll find three or four million somewhere. And for him, the difference at this point in his life, after playing in the NBA for like 20 years, he's, he's not, be, like yes. his bank account isn't, going to be made or broke based on $2 million difference. But if he decided for some reason to exercise his player option and come back, yeah, I don't know, man. Like He's just not a fit anymore. He strikes me as the type of guy, though, that if he was as unhappy here as I think he might have been, I don't think he's going to go back. I think he's going to say, you know what, I've made a ton of cash. Would would I like to be paid more? Absolutely. I think the, uh, the potential headaches that he ran into in his year here, though, coaching and playing time and how he was used, yeah. I think are all going to lead him to say, if I'm going to going to continue to play, I would actually take less. Uh, Doogie uh, texts another name here. I, and I, this is an interesting name. I think he was more interesting when he was in Boston, and he spent the year between um, Detroit and the Clippers this past season. But Avery Bradley, shooting guard Avery Bradley, mm-hmm. who is a career 37% three-point shooter. Last year he made $8.8 million. And didn't do enough this year to warrant like a fifteen million dollar contract. So, so Avery Bradley is going to be between that five and ten million dollar range too, depending on who signs him. The biggest hesitation I would have is once he left Boston, his uh, his three point percentage dropped, his shooting percentage went way down from forty six to forty one. Uh, his defense again, he was playing for inferior organizations, and his teammates weren't as good, and his sure. coaches weren't as good. So. But you could maybe buy low on an Avery Bradley, who's 27 years old. But that's the bin we're talking about. Unless you want to get bold and trade Andrew Wiggins for Kawhi Leonard or LeBron James. That's what I would do first. But. <laughs> or LeBron James. <laughs> Reckless speculation. You got to make the phone call, at least. Oh, everyone does, right? Everyone has to. But the we need... All right, so at the very least, I, I, I think for a summer full of product, productive speculation on the, the Wolves, I think we need w- Wiggy to be at least publicly shopped. Oh, for sure. At the and very at the be. very least. Yes. And if he's traded, that's fine too. But we need a Woj bomb. We need the Woj bomb to come out, let's say, draft night. 
that the Timberwolves are actively involved in trying to shop him. Reckless speculation. Yes. I love how the Sixers have come out. Brett Brown just flat out said after they got bounced from the playoffs, we are one superstar player away. And he didn't say this, but, and we have like $30 million in salary cap space. Wah. Well, yeah, LeBron, it's LeBron, LeBron signal. It's the LeBron or Paul George signal. is probably. I, I think Paul George is a little more likely, but but it was the LeBron James Paul George bat signal. <clears throat> we could really use one more max superstar player, and we have thirty million dollars in salary cap. Can you hear this in Cleveland? I will give the NBA complete credit for this. Football's probably one, but the NBA is a very close two now. The off season is now fantastic. Oh, the off season brilliant. is the off season is so juicy now, and we we can talk about well the playoffs are what what we expect and you don't have upsets and that's fine. But the best part about it is starting about right now and certainly after the finals come to a conclusion, the NBA is off the charts fun. Yes, and the fact that superstar players are signing shorter term contracts. I mean, mm-hmm. LeBron James has been on one and two year contracts for a decade. And Kevin Durant is technically, I believe, a free agent. I don't think he's going to leave Golden State, yeah, but it just adds a little bit of, yes. oh, okay, well, that's interesting. Seasoning. Yep. It's constant. Durant's out, out there again. And even if he doesn't leave, you'll get some type of Woj bomb where he talks to a buddy. That's the best part, recruiting. Because now you don't have to tamper. If I got a player who Durant likes, that player can go talk to Durant. And is is it tampering? Yeah. Maybe. Nobody cares. Well, I'll tell you, let's do two things when we come back here. Cheryl Reeves said something really interesting on the eve of uh, WNBA opening weekend about whether she'd coach in the NBA at some point. And I want to add to your point about the NBA's offseason being so exciting. And the biggest difference, but the NFL is awesome. But what, to me, might put the NBA over the NFL in the offseason I'll tell you that when we come back to Let's talk about Chris Lindahl here for a second, the number one REMAX results team in America. And, uh, and and how if you just go online and search for a house, you just go go to the standard MLS listings, obviously you'll find a lot of options. But the truth is there's actually thousands more homes available than you think when you just go online. The Chris Lindahl team has an exclusive way to tap into this huge market so you have more options when, say, you're selling your house and it's a seller's market, and you're working with the Chris Lindahl team, ideally, and uh, and your house sells very quickly. Well, you don't want to get stuck in that middle ground where you don't really know where you're going to live next because uh, there's just that, that perfect option isn't out there for me. Expand your options when you're in that transition mode of selling a house and looking to buy and get into something new with the Chris Lindahl team. Get over that sellophobia, so to speak. ChrisLindahl.com, that's Chris with a K, or 763-401-SOLD. 763-401-SOLD. Bill Mackey, Judd Zolgad. I want to say thanks for uh, being one of the local radio stations that's been brutally honest. You guys have been in it from the ground floor, which is great. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Reckless speculation. All right, you brought up a, a, a point about the off-seasons. The NFL has dominated off-seasons for probably about 10 years now when you start to think about yep. the things they've done to highlight primetime schedule releases and free agency opens yeah, that, up in the middle of a day instead of midnight now, right? Yeah, that, that day in March is fantastic. Uh, but I almost think, so the NFL the NFL has a longer offseason and more things to loop you in. They, they hit you with the draft and they hit you with free agency, not in that order, I guess, and then they hit you with offseason workouts. They're almost and never done. Right. Schedule releases. Like they've got one thing every month, the combine, and they're kind of, they're just kind of touching base with their fans every month. And so they're really good at that. But what the NBA has that I don't, for sure, the NFL doesn't have this. Major League Baseball kind of has it, but they've butchered their offseason. I don't know what the exact fix is there. The top players in the NBA are willing and do switch teams. In the NFL, the best quarterback on the market this year was Kirk Cousins. We had Peyton Manning switch teams after neck surgeries like six years ago. Yep. Other than that, you never get to the point where Aaron Rodgers is a free agent and he's kind of sick at Green Bay and he's going to go test the market. I mean, Drew Brees was a free agent. He didn't even take phone calls from other teams that we know of. But in the NBA, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, these guys are like, you know what? And fans, sometimes fans hate this and I get it and it makes them villains, but... The fact that the best players in the world will look around and say, eh, 
I'm kind of done with this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. That makes it really fun. And super teams, as much as we say, oh, this is so unfair. These guys all met in the Hamptons, and they and they decided to. We secretly love it. We love the Warriors because you can hate them. All we want as fans is something to hate, right? And so, so this whole no- notion that look at the Rockets, they're too good now, and Golden State, we love that, and we rebel against it, and it helps. Um, I also think that we live in an era now where, where as important as the games on the field or the ice or the court are, the actually where we get roped in off season moves because that the speculation is so much fun and it's constant. Woj is on Twitter. Yeah. Schefter's on Twitter. And we, we can't get an, enough. So as much as we enjoy, enjoyed the games, if I was to ask you now, all right, Phil, ar- um, arbitrary December night, a full slate of NBA basketball, or July 1st, free agency starts. Oh, free and agency, there's not yeah. a game going on, but I yeah. got moves for yeah. you. You are going to be, you're going to ignore the December night, and you are all in on July 1st. And, and that's where Major League Baseball needs to take notes. And I don't know what the exact fix would be, but if you can create this 10-day window like basketball has and like football has, where and hockey has just, the same thing exactly as well. Yes. Yep. They do a really good job too. It's just like the problem there is half the players like right. casual fans never. But heard they still got the, the idea. Exactly. The, the idea is right. Where it's a mad rush for ten days. You got to slot in. You got to find a place. And I think what what creates that is salary cap urgency. Where you just all right, like all the moves are kind of slotted in. You know how much your max contract is worth, and it's just you're not going to take three months to figure out who you want to play for because you already know how much money you're going to make because there's a salary cap. Mm-hmm. In baseball, it's all of these team self-imposed spending caps, and so if you're, let's say, well, Lance Lynn's a great example. If you're Lance Lynn in basketball, you just find out that oh man, I thought I was maybe going to be a max player, but I'm more like a mid-level exception player, and now I just have to pick one of these teams. And because teams are restricted by how much they can spend, and like this is where I fit in baseball, you can sit there all off season, and you can keep poking teams and me like, I know you can spend, I know you can spend. Yes. Why don't you spend more? Why don't you spend more? And then they just sit out there, and nothing happens. And and the, the thing that I think that frustrates me the most about baseball teams now is it's gotten too cute. You used to be, and this is what ten years back, when when they would meet, the GMs would start talking, and there would inevitably be a bunch of trades. And that was fun, too. Mm-hmm. And now I don't know if, if it's because teams are on guard all the time or they're trying not to get ripped off or teams are scared. But it seems to me like all, all the action that used to make the hot stove so much fun is it might be there, but it's very small. And it used to be, oh, my gosh, the Cardinals made this trade with the Brewers and the Padres made this trade with Boston. And now you think about it. And you get all all of these rumors out there and the feeling out process, mm-hmm. but I think teams are afraid to make mistakes, yeah. And so they don't make those trades now. And then and then think about it this way too: in the NFL, anytime an above average quarterback becomes a free agent, whether he signs with the team he was with before or whether he signs with a new team like Kirk Cousins, because it's a salary cap league, you just keep inching your way up the pay scale ladder, right? All right, well. Um, Matthew Stafford makes $27 million. Well, the cap went up a little bit, so I'm Jimmy Garoppolo, and I'm next. I'm going to demand 27 and a half, and teams are like, all right, well, whatever. In baseball, you've got agents legit negotiating. Like, Bryce Harper is going to try and get a half billion dollars in free agency, not based on kind of where everyone else as a star player slots in with their max contracts, which is what the NBA is. You get a percentage of the cap. This is, this, or if you're on another level, you get another percentage of the cap. And, and that's what makes it so hard in baseball because guys just sit out there thinking, well, I deserve this. And, and teams they, are like, well, I don't think you deserve that. And then they just stare at each other. And then they just sit there and sit there. And and, and you, as a fan, if you care on, on December 1st, you don't care by Feb 1st. Yeah. Like you're just done with it. Yeah. And by Feb 1st, you've already, now you're into NFL playoff season yeah. and, and all exactly. these other sports are fired up. And like baseball's real chance to strike is at the beginning of, so like November when NHL and NBA are starting, but they're you know once the initial rush of the season starting goes by, like they're not really owning real estate too much. And the NFL December it's it's fun, but like there's there's an open spot there to kind of jump in and dominate headlines, create interest. And, and instead, yes. it's the NHL and and the NFL to some extent at the beginning of baseball season with their draft and free agency during um during spring training, but the NBA comes in. 
when baseball is the only sport playing and they just steal headlines for a month. Yes. And make your sport and superstars move. back burner material. Chris yeah. Paul moves. Yep. Chris Paul goes and you're LeBron like, James is going to play for another team. I am. I mean, as far as pro sports go, basketball is at, at the bottom of my favorite sport list, but I'm enthralled by it. Because it's storyline. I'm enthralled by it because, and then you're like, oh man, this changes the dynamic of this team. And in baseball, you know, you just got guys who sit there now. And the problem is baseball, I don't know if they get it. They should, but I don't think that they do. Yeah. And and it also goes back to everyone's afraid of making a bad deal or signing, which is which I, I get from the executive standpoint, but from a fan standpoint, it just makes it really dull. Here's a tease for 15 minutes. I'll tell you where LeBron James is going to play and write that down next year. That's right. Really? Yeah. Wolves, huh? You're going to hear it here first. Reckless speculation! Actually, you probably there's probably been a lot of people who said it. First. But I'm going to say it. For You're going to say it again. Yes. Um, all right. Let's get to what Cheryl Reeves said here, and uh, she, she said this in a Star Tribune article. You and I have kind of floated this notion, but worth expanding on. Write that down at ten o'clock, and then later on, uh, Chris Singleton will join to talk some Twins and go around Major League Baseball. Right now at Luther Brookdale Toyota, you can find Rav Fours and Highlanders for great deals. In fact. Uh, this is the first time I have seen this good of a deal on the 2018 RAV4. Uh, I've told you guys before, I love leasing. I just love every two or three years upgrading to a new vehicle and, and the reasonable prices. Like for me, I I wouldn't lease if it wasn't for the reasonable prices that you get at Luther Brookdale Toyota where, all right, I can so I can spend $259 a month on a brand new SUV, a RAV4. Zero down at signing, which is exactly what the deal is right now on that RAV4. That sounds awesome. Um, so you go in, they'll handle all the paperwork for you, and go go test drive it. Just make sure it's a fit. If you want something more spacious, the Highlander right now, 0% financing for 60 months if you want to go that route. But I can't recommend Toyotas as vehicles enough, and I can't recommend Luther Brookdale Toyota as a service department and showroom enough either. 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard and LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Mackie and Judd now continue. Oh, well, that just makes my nipples hurt. <laughs> 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 yeah. On 1500 ESPN. Get your Independence Day off to a running start with the Red, White, and Boom TC Half Marathon Relay and 5K. On July 4th, come out to Boo Island Park for this Twin Cities summer tradition and get your run and first picnic of the holiday under your belt. If you're at the lake or out of town, no problem. You can run the virtual Red, White, and Boom wherever you are. More details and to register, you just visit 1500ESPN.com, keyword events. Five seconds. Three seconds. No seconds. That's it. And they're going for five starting this weekend with uh, the regular season for the Lynx starting on Sunday. I think ESPN 2, if I'm not mistaken, Lynx and Sparks. And Cheryl Reeve, there's a story. Cheryl Reeve has spoken with the Star Tribune. And uh, and we've heard this, like, like Lindsay Whalen on our show Monday kind of brought this up, but... She said that she would love to coach in the NBA at some point. Becky Hammond is getting the headlines because she's been an assistant with the Spurs for a few years, and she interviewed with the Bucks, and they went with uh, Mike Budenholzer. But would you? How do you think that plays out? Like, I think she'd almost have to be an assistant coach first in the NBA. Cheryl, I don't know if she'd ever get a look just jumping right from head coach WNBA to head coach NBA in terms of like the pecking order and the process to make that. I think she would be a successful NBA coach. Yeah, so do I. If she ever got a job. Yeah. Uh, she has done so many things at, at the WNBA level that I don't know that, that she needs to be an assistant coach. Absolutely. Would there be some teams that, that would like that? Probably. Um, it would help to but, get your eyes on a daily basis sure. on, but on the men's game, which is different. I think she'd be fantastic. And... This also this comes from the parallel example that I will draw to, to this because I think that as a sports fan you're you're like okay so she's going to go coach men that's a that's a lot to ask and are men going to respect her and and you can go down that entire path 
And that's when we're thinking of people just as people, like ordinary, everyday. I don't know if you'd be right for, for this job. The parallel I'll give you is a guy I covered uh, for one year in 2006, Mike Tomlin. Not because of the color of Mike's skin, but because of, of his age. He got the, uh, he was promoted, he'd been the secondary coach for years in Tampa Bay. And Childress hired him as his uh, D.C. In, in 2006. So he's coordinating the defense. And I immediately thought to myself, hold on a second, he's like 34? This can be a lot. I mean, a position coach is fine. But a coordinator or a coach, this is a lot to ask. So I was very skeptical because I just thought to myself, he seems so young. And I think at, at that time, Sharper, who was still with the team, uh, was older than him. And there were certainly guys who were around his age. So... I thought it was a lot, a lot to ask the Vikings to bite off to to have immediate respect for a guy to come in and coordinate their defense. And long story short, it took about two press conferences where I said, oh, I'm completely wrong. This guy owns the room. This guy is smart, completely confident, knows exactly what he's doing. I'll never forget, Mike Tomlin, uh, at the first batch of press conferences that he did, got up there with prepared notes and essentially handled everything as if he was coaching the Vikings. Mm-hmm. There was no, well, we hope to win on Sunday, and questions. There was a opening statement, and it seems small, but it's not. It's a big deal. And that sort of re- recalibrated my thinking about certain people who have what, what we call it. Cheryl Reeve has it. You sit down with Cheryl Reeve, and it takes it takes about a second for where you don't see her as a female basketball coach. You see her as an incredibly smart basketball mind. She commands. She's got a commanding presence. Uh, She doesn't intimidate in a bad way, but she definitely owns the room. I think that if, if the Timberwolves tomorrow decided that they were tired of Tibbs Act and said, we just can't do this. We can't. He alienates too many people. Both on both as a coach and as an executive, there's too many other executives here who can't get along with Tibbs, and we are going to hire Cheryl Reeve. I think it would be a success, and I think what we need to see past is her name and her sex, and we need and what we need to see is the fact that she is a basketball coach, yeah. and she is a she has the ability to be a commanding presence. For the record, I don't think she would need to become an assistant in the NBA. I think that. I think that the way that the NBA and professional men's sports have been so slow to ad- to adopt women in high positions that like it would be almost a necessary step to continue to knock down that antiquated wall. Mm-hmm. But I agree with everything you just said. In fact, I could probably think of a few more, but when I think of three coaches or executives, actually there's a there's a fourth one for sure too. So the four coaches and executives in sports that I would trust to run almost anything. So, all right, you know what? Here's a startup company and we really like we need you to run it. Could could you do it? Could you lead? Could you lead from a 30,000-foot perspective and empower people? She's one of the four. Cheryl Reeve, Greg Popovich, Theo Epstein, and Joe Madden. I know Dave hates Joe Madden, but like that's... But you're going to say Brad Stevens. But uh, actually, you know what? Because he could do it. He might be a more... Yeah, I don't know enough about him. Like, he's a basketball genius and a basketball savant. I don't know if he's like Mr. World Traveler Life savant um which i feel like cheryl reeve is a little bit she's a basketball grinder but anyways like i don't understand why in 2018 we still have these restricted thoughts about the role of women and the role of men right like it's perfectly okay for a man to coach a women's basketball team gino ariema like you could and and even like bill lambeer coached a wnba team was it <laughs> 10 a, years that's ago that's a right? really good example Detroit, yes. right yes because for centuries Centuries, and this is wired into all of our brains. We're born, and this is wired into our brains. Yep. Society has told us that men tell women what to do. Men di- dictate to women, right? And even though a lot of those restrictions, legally or otherwise, have been stripped away, like we're still left with that residue yeah. of how we operated for for centuries. I mean, it, 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 we were talking about this before the show too. Women can't check in hockey now. If you want to tell me that there's a reason. There, there's like a strategic reason. It's, the sport is better without checking, and that's why. But that's not why. Women don't check in hockey because we don't want to see it get too physical, right? Is there another reason why women can't check in hockey? I think that's hockey? the primary one. But meanwhile, some of the highest UFC pay-per-view buys have been when Ronda Rousey or Amanda Nunes kick someone's teeth in. Mm-hmm. And like there was an Amanda Nunes fight, was it last weekend or the weekend before, where the fight almost had to be stopped because of blood gushing from the forehead of her opponent. Like, she just dismantled this opponent. 
So like we're okay with that now. I mean, maybe, maybe you weren't 20 years ago. We're okay with that, and we're okay knocking down all these norms, except, oh, I don't know, but if a woman, can a woman lead I think, a team of men? Yeah, but I think team sports is different because it's so stuck in the way that they've always done things. Team sports is, sports is... It shouldn't be, though. It shouldn't be, but but if you think about it, sports goes back to what, what we talked about on the Thursday show, which is, but this is the way we've always done it. Like, we can't change this. We can't possibly change this. And, but... To, if you're going, if you're going to start down th- this path, which is a positive thing to me, basketball is the place to start. Basketball is the place to start because there is nothing. I cannot sit here and give you one reason why Cheryl Reeve couldn't be successful. Yeah, like it's, like football, I might be a- able to say, well, you know, women don't play that sport, and I might be able to. Yeah. But if I'm spitballing here, and I'm going to give you, a, and you say, Judd, come, give me three reasons why she would struggle. I can't. And to what you've said. The, the women's basketball game and the men's basketball game, there are differences, but they're so much more alike than softball versus baseball or football in which there really are no top women's professional football leagues. There's not like there's nothing. You could take Cheryl Reeve, put her in the NBA and say the game is much more above the rim and it's a little bit it's different in certain ways. But, stop like, her. but you'll be fine. Like you'll figure it out. Exactly. Um, you know, baseball versus softball. OK, the. The dimensions are different. The pitchers are throwing and, underhand. And I, I'm not saying that those wouldn't work, but if you're going to start this, I think basketball is the the place yeah. to, to start. And and I've thought thought about this. I can't give you. I cannot come up with a list of reasons why it's a bad idea. For sure. Uh, let's do some write that down predictions when we come back and an accountability session later on. Uh, late addition to the hot sheet here. Chris Singleton at 11:30, but Greg Wyshynski will join us at noon to talk NHL playoffs and maybe some wild speculation too. And it's game show Friday. We've got a uh, golf foursome to give away. So just be listening for directions later in the show and have the phone number written down. 651-646-8255. It's Mackie and Judd in the TCL broadcast studio. The Venture X card from Capital One gives you more of what you love, like premium travel benefits and access to Taylor Swift tickets. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and ten times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. Plus, get access to Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, presented by Capital One. Maybe I'll see you there. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. This view was worth a hike. Right? And it's a good way to stay on top of my health. Yes. I'm Cologuard, a prescription colon cancer screening option for people 45 plus at average risk. Have you screened for colon cancer? Not yet. Don't wait. It's more treatable when caught in early stages. Tell me more. Cologuard is non-invasive and it's used at home. It detects altered DNA in your stool to find 92% of colon cancers. 92%? Yep, even those in early stages. This was seen in a clinical study with patients 50 and older. Any positive results should be followed by a diagnostic colonoscopy. False positive and negative results may occur. Cologuard is not a replacement for colonoscopy in high-risk patients. Do not use if you have had adenomas, have inflammatory bowel disease and certain hereditary syndromes, or a personal or family history of colon cancer. Most insured patients pay $0. Ask your provider or an online prescriber if Cologuard is right for you, or visit Cologuard.com. I'm in. 